It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. One night, one goal. Stop suicide. Register today for the overnight and join thousands in Washington, D.C. on June 3rd as we walk 16 miles from dusk till dawn to stop suicide. Start your journey today at theovernight.org. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Kevin Graham. Kevin, welcome back. Hiya Paul. You normally join us on a Monday but yes. uh, you've come in for match day so we thought we would do an extra European preview. So this is the Axon Bulletin and um, we want to talk about tonight's game with AC Milan. Kevin, you'll remember uh, numerous games against this club when they were maybe viewed more of a European superpower. Where are they these days? Milan, it's just one of those names, it's a historical name, it's a great name in European football. Um, I remember, I'm just going to go back to my the days when I used to go to the Arches, uh, to the poor house nights at the Arches, and I used to wear an AC Milan, a retro AC Milan top. Did you long sleeves? Long sleeves, mm. aye. Was um, it Kappa or Ineri? 
Kappa. Was it a Kappa? It was a Kappa one, yeah. They were very, very, I mean, they very, were vintage very sought after. football kits. And, you know, if you kept the hold of it, it'd be worth a few bob now. I haven't kept the hold of it. Um, I don't know actually where it went. Um, but when, like, I'm round about the same age as you, Paul, slightly older. And growing up, late 80s, early 90s, you had that great AC Milan side. Mm. Your Rijkaard, your Hulot, Barese. Don't you just love that... that f- thing in football Kevin we've spoke about it before when people are describing a footballer they call him a Rolls Royce mm-hmm. of a player and when they're talking about footballers they say you're right guards but there was only one you know there was only one right guard but we, we say the Dalglishes and the McGrains uh, but there was only one of them that's one, one of the right. football things isn't it uh, I remember they brought it up on remember fantasy football with Skinner and Badil uh, it's a lot of cliches in football and you, and you find yourself especially doing stuff like this you use them you, you uh, do without thinking about losing it losing the dressing room we used that earlier this week stepping up to the plate there's I not know. a plate in football I know why would you step up to a plate <laughs> uh, the danger man in what other line of business have, do you call somebody the danger man it's it's, it's, it's uh, bizarre that we do find ourselves using these cliches all the time. We do, we do. But, but don't worry, I'll pick you up for it. Definitely, I'm sure the I'm sure the viewers will pick us up for it as well. Um, but Milan, a fabulous side. One of, one of my best European away trips was uh, when we played them in the last sixteen. Yeah, and we took them to extra time, and that San Siro, uh, a fantastic stadium. It was a stadium in my youth. Watching the the first game of Italia ninety, mm-hmm. Argentina v Cameroon was in yeah. the, the, was in the San Siro, and it looks like a big giant spaceship has been plopped in the middle of this waste ground, and it's a leafy leafy uh, suburb of Milan. It was just a special. It was a special away trip going to grounds like that. The only other time where I've had that sort of spine tingling moment was going to Anfield. The t- two stadiums where I've really been more interested in seeing the stadium than actually seeing Celtic. Mm. Uh, but going there, representing Celtic in a Celtic capacity was fantastic. And funnily enough, our, uh, um, that was where I first met our Hungarian correspondent, Kevin McCluskey. All in right. Milan. right. So uh, there is a story about that, but I'll, I'll tell you that off air. Tell us, <laughs> tell us that another time, Kevin. But you are talking about a Milan that I remember fondly as well because it was Rygaard, Hulet, Van Basten. Mm-hmm. Now, w- would that be wrong to say Van Basten at that time was the best striker in the world? Definitely. They had the three best players. And I would say did he retire when he was 31? Through did. injury? Yeah. He did. Um, Van Basten was the best striker in the world. Hulet, best midfielder in the world. And you could possibly say Rijkaard was maybe up there by Matthias mm-hmm. as... And look at that back line. I mean, you've got Barese there as well, a young Maldini at that time. Eh? Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, George Weir for a period as well, when Weir was a, a phenomenal player. And it's a club with that sort of history that you want to see back at the top of the game uh, through merit, not just through name. Uh, there's been that European Super League being mentioned again where teams were just getting it because of their names, but. I would rather Milan got back there by merit just the same way us. I would rather Celtic got back there by merit n- not because we're Celtic Football Club. I would want to deserve to be there. Yeah. Um, Milan are in a wee bit of a state of change. Um, they brought in Stephen Polly last year and it looked like they were going to get rid of him. 
uh, and bringing Ralph Raniak, him of the Red Bull yep. franchise fr- fame. But Paulie's turned them round. Uh, they're 20 games unbeaten in all competitions since football returned post-Covid. Um, they're the competition favourites. They, they seem to have changed tack. I mean, obviously, again, we go back to the golden age of Italian football when it was the best league in the world and all the best players in the world played in Italian football. That's no longer the case. It's now the English Premier League. But Milan have kind of reacted to that and they seem to be signing young project players. Uh, Their top signing in in the summer there, who's likely to play the night, is Sandro Tonali who they signed for £10 million from Brescia. And he's a 20-year-old. And their average age of signings in the summer was 21. Right. The average age of their squad's 24. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was no surprise that they're looking at players like Christian Ayer because that seems to be their development model now. They're going to buy highly rated youngsters at, at, at prices that most clubs can't afford and to develop them, probably to sell on to bigger clubs. And... AC Milan are one of the, the biggest clubs in the world, eh? and they're looking to develop youngsters. See, when you're talking about the best league in the world, again, we opened this up unplanned by talking about football cliches. That sometimes can be a football cliche, Kevin. Eh? You know, that's the best league in the world. It's something that's very difficult to quantify. But when we look back on when uh, you know Serie A was maybe regarded as such, is it is it actually the richest? Is it the richest league in the world that is often regarded as the best league in the world? It's subjective, eh? It's subjective to your opinion, but when I was growing up, Sierra was the best league in the world because it was the richest league in the world. Mm-hmm. And the English Premier League's exactly the same at this precise moment, moment in time. If you look at the Spanish league, um, La Liga could probably be the best, better more pleasing games in La Liga. The Bundesliga is fantastic as well, but they won't get the the, the the title of the best league in the world because it's not the richest league in the world. It's a bit like the Champions League, getting getting the title of the best competition in the world. Not it's the richest competition in the world. Yeah, it's the rich teams that are in that competition. I find really interesting about the night that uh, basically UEFA have called us. The game of the week, mm. Celtic v AC Milan, as uh, the as UEFA's game of the, the game of this Europa League round. That shows you the the, the historical weight of both names. Mm-hmm. For me, more than where the teams are, and we've had people writing this game off, but we can't write this game off. And nope. and it comes back to me and you were talking off air um, about. We had a really, really bad result on on Saturday. That goes without saying. But we can't let ourselves get detached from European competition. No. Because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I spoke about getting to places on merit. And to get to places on merit, we've got to turn up and at least give AC Milan a game of football tonight. It was really interesting. Um, Stephen McGowan... um, says on another podcast that Celtic's obsession over 10 in a row has made them a very small club. Mm. And that's been in my head for the last couple of days when I've looked at some fellow supporters' comments saying that they'll write this game off. And That's interesting. Are we looking at this wrongly? Have we become a small club? Have we... 
maybe not a small club, but have we now got a small club mentality where we're completely blinded by where this magical 10 and it's to the detriment to the longer term future of the club? It's a difficult one because you and I have met Stephen in the past, Kevin, and I like him. I like uh, a lot of what he writes. I've not heard the podcast, so it's hard to know, you know, in what context he, he was saying that. If that's just, you know, one quote lifted from it. But you could probably take what you've just said there from it, Kevin, and say, well, if you're so focused, stroke obsessed with uh, winning 10 in a row, does everything, does all your eggs go in that basket to the detriment of your European performances? Has that happened to Celtic in the last few seasons? 100%. Yes, it has. Have we signed players for domestic success or to push on in Europe? I would say for domestic success. Uh, the signing policy in terms of bringing players on, developing them and selling them on for a profit, is that to continue domestic success? Well, we don't really need to do that to that extent to win the league. Up until this season, we haven't had to do that to win the league. The, the level of investment hasn't had to be to the point where you're, you're signing players for tens of millions of pounds to win the domestic league. If you wanted to move on in Europe, then that would be different. You would need to buy a higher calibre of player at a certain point. Now, you're talking there about you know the model of Milan bringing in players at a certain age, Kevin. Is that because they have a model where they want to sell them on? Or are they building a team where they might be a European force again? What is their kind of thinking behind that? I think for Milan to be a European force again, or even to challenge your Juve's and the Napoli's and Inter Milan's, they have to get into the Champions League. So for me, their aim this season will be to get into the Champions League. And whether that's finishing fourth in Serie A or winning this competition, that will be their aim, is to get a Champions League spot at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And I think they're maybe looking to do build a squad over the next couple of years which will grow into a top European side but they're top of Serie A just now do I think do will they win Serie A? No they won't but if they manage to finish fourth and get a Champions League spot it will be a very very good season for them mm-hmm. I mean they're the current favourites for this competition so we're not playing any mugs and I know that they haven't got any household names apart from Slatan up front and Donnarumma, the, the, the goalie. They are a decent, well-organised side with a very good manager. Mm-hmm. And they've got seemingly for the first time in a while in Milan, and I'm saying this as an outsider with a passing interest in Italian football. We've had some uh, AC Milan fans actually on the comments uh, over the last couple of days as well, so they'll maybe keep me writing this. But they seem to have a aim, a project, and a plan. And for me, they they want to get to back to the top table of European football, and they'll use. And they, for that, they need Champions League football. So they'll, they'll get it one way or another this season. I reckon. Is that what the comments, perhaps, that Stephen uh, made? was around. So you're looking at Milan, right? So what's the objective? We want to be at the top table of European football. We want to be competing for European trophies. How do we do that? Well, finish top four in the in the league. Mm-hmm. Celtic, what's your objective? Winning 10 in a row. So the thing is as well, we, we have had some very uh, interesting insights into that. I mean, the commercial aspect of 10 in a row, because a massive proportion of the fans are of that mindset anyway, Kevin, um, is huge. It's huge, you know, the, the, the commercial element of winning 10 in a row is massive. And uh, as Stevie said earlier on today, the failure to win that 
would be almost criti- critical in terms of a marketing um, aspect. That was a really interesting point and a point that I'd never thought about. That winning this league is probably worth far more money than getting to our usual last ferry to the Europa League. I mean, let's let, let's not beat about the bush here. This is a tough group that we're in oh, yeah. tonight. We've got Sparta Prague, who are top of the Czech division. Mm-hmm. We've got Lille, who are flying in League One, uh, League One, and we've got AC Milan, who are currently top of Sierra. This is for us to reach what seems to be our ceiling, the last thirty-two of the Europa League. We've got to pull, pull something magnificent out the bag to finish second in this group. Or even to win this group. Now, as we've spoken about many, many times on this podcast, you know, the history of Celtic Football Club is intertwined with um, success in Europe. It wasn't a one-off in 1967. There was a period uh, during the 60s and 70s, Kevin, where Celtic, you know, progressed to the quarterfinals regularly of European competition. And normally in the European Cup, you know, there were some runs in the Cup Winners' Cup, etc. that that we're all aware of. So there's been a, a lot of chat you know, this week, and again, it goes back to the point that you were making there in terms of the be-all and end-all, uh, the reason for being uh, being 10 in a row. A lot of Celtic fans are saying they're not interested in tonight's game. I find that a little surprising. I do, but I understand it to a point. Um, on the lead-up to the game on Saturday, I commented quite a few times that I was feeling really detached from the build-up to a Celtic Rangers game. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time where I felt like this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. And sitting here doesn't feel right. It feels like I should be on my way to Celtic Park. And Celtic Park on Saturday looked just what it is without fans in it. A big breeze block, plastic, empty stadium. And the game became virtually a training game because there's no emotion there. And for us, you look at all the big victories that we've had in Europe over the last 20 years, every one of them has had the fans playing a major part. And to take that away from us, we seem quite an emotionless team. We can't seem to react. There doesn't seem to be that fire within us. And I can see why fans are maybe feeling a bit detached from tonight's game. Obviously the result on Saturday has got a got a part to play in that but imagine if this was normal circumstances everybody would have been selling their granny for a ticket for this game this would have been sold out it would have made Celtic an absolute fortune we'd be talking about those special nights in Celtic Park but what is it going to be? it's going to be an empty stadium it's going to be a, a fraction of what it should be mm-hmm. um, you even look at the stadium this is something that started to annoy me as well you, you look at that you look at that stadium and where other clubs have left reminders of the fans club banners fans banners Celtic have just put in the bottom tier as just sponsorships for their betting company for their uh, sponsors it's almost as if they forgot we exist it's almost as if when the players walk out on that pitch, they don't know that we're there. If you look at other clubs, they, they have banners saying, we're behind you, we're this, we're that. Mm-hmm. When they players just go out there, it just seems to be coming like, it's just 22 guys kicking a ball about. 
There's no emotion. And I feel that Celtic, under Neil Lennon, have, have been especially better when there's been some emotion in the game, where there's been a bit of soul in the game. And I think we're struggling, and we may struggle tonight, because the atmosphere is going to be dead. It is, it is going to be dead. It's not the first time that Celtic have played a European game in front of no fans. Uh, the older element of the support may remember back to the 80s when that happened as well as punishment um, for the previous season's indiscretions against Rapid Vienna. Kevin, I don't know, you'll probably remember that yourself, uh, having gone to the games back then. The only way you could get in is if you got a job as a steward. And uh, there is a few Celtic fans who we're aware of who did that just so they could watch the game. Um, But I think Celtic, even back then, and I'm going back many, many years, were affected by the lack of a a crowd on a European game at Celtic Park. And I think it will play a part tonight. But the players need to rise above that, Kevin, particularly after the disappointment on Saturday. Now, I've not spoken to you about it uh, in person since Saturday. We're not going to labour the fact, but we're going to do it with one eye on tonight's game. What does Lenny have to do differently? I've actually posed the question, who plays full-back in a back four? Should we line up in that way? I don't see us going out with the three centre-halves tonight. I don't, but what I I really want to see, I want to see us have a reaction. I want to see us take ownership. And I want to see us have passion and leadership. And if I get all of that, I'll be quite happy. So you're looking for a performance over the I'm, result I'm, I'm looking for an absolute performance. I, I, football isn't he played on a spreadsheet. Isn't he, isn't he played with systems? I've never sung a song about a system. I've never sung a song about 442. I've sung songs and wrote stuff about players who have played the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for the players to step up. I'm not really bored about... I, I didn't look at uh, football and I know I'm going to get shouted in and, um, as a dinosaur maybe a football romantic point of view, but I reckon players make teams, players make games, and if they're on it, they're on it. And that's what I want to see tonight for Celtic. Look, we might not be good enough tonight. It might not happen. But if we go out there and make sure that AC Milan see that they're in a game, make them work for their three points, make them work for whatever they're going to get tonight, even hopefully beat them, then I'll go away more than happy that we've shown some of the spirit. I, I think Celtic is an emotional club, and I think we, I, I think we're suffering more at the fact that we're not there. And I was thinking about the, the whole. I haven't answered your question yet, but I will get round to answering your question. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this at the weekend when the splits and you, and you had Russell and Anthony in here on Monday, and they were fantastic. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. 
not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Fantastic, intelligent Jack guests, and you had Lawrence in as well. Two compl- they two sets of guests have two completely different views. And I was thinking to myself, when did this split in the Celtic support happen? Because under Brendan, we were it was the Holy Trinity, and we've spoken about the Holy Trinity yes. before. Mm-hmm. And I went back and and listened to the podcast we recorded after we won the treble treble. And I says at that point and you disagreed with me here, I says the way that they appointed Neil Lennon felt like the beginning of the end, rather than the start of a new beginning. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that. I still believe that was a point that the support fractured. That was a, that was a, that was a point that we weren't all on the same page. And you can maybe take that back to when Brendan left. Maybe it's Brendan. Maybe, maybe Brendan leaving was, was the, the beginning of the end. But Neil Lennon's there, and I, I'm not going to change my opinion. And the, my opinion was, I didn't, I didn't think he was the right choice longer term after Brendan Rodgers. I just think it was maybe seen as too much of a downgrade eh, from where we are. And I'm not going to change that opinion. But tonight he's in our dugout. Tonight he's got to come out, and we've says it a number of times. We he's got to get that fire and passion in that team because we're not there. We're not there to actually show that team support. He's got to basically redeem himself, uh, and the team have got to redeem himself. And we we, of, we often say that Neil Lennon is at his best when his back's against the wall. We have said that a number of times. And yeah, it was interesting. I heard Anthony Haggerty yesterday. And he says that they gave, that, that, that in the last 20 years, they gave two managers carte blanche to do what they want, Martin O'Neill and Brendan Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And when we've appointed Lennon, have we went back the way? And maybe this is where Stephen McGowan's coming. We, we, we're, we've become, our obsession with 10 means that we became a very small club. Tonight, I'll get, I got there eventually. Uh, tonight, I would play Barkas, mm-hmm. Ayer at right back, okay. uh, Duffy, Welsh, Taylor, Fringpong on the right hand side of midfield, mm-hmm. uh, Christie, McGregor, Brown, Laxalt as the left hand side of midfield and I would play Kamala up front, I would play a 4-5-1. Right couple of queries on that just so that um, 
it's all clear to everybody listening in because that is your predicted 11, yeah? That is my predicted 11. Brilliant. It came from the brain and the mind of Kevin Graham. It came of my warped imagination. Yes. Well, there is a wee bit of imagination in there, but I think you need that from time to time, Kevin. Earlier on today, Stephen uh, Mullen had Anthony Ralston playing at right back. Right back seems to be a slight issue tonight. Uh, you're playing Ayer at right back, out of position, as it happens. And yes, I know he's filled in at right back before. And you're keeping Welsh in. Now, as I said, we're focusing on AC Milan, but as part of that, we will look back because you're picking a team based, perhaps, largely on the performance on Saturday. Welsh has done enough to stay in the team. How impressed were you with him on Saturday? He was fine. He handled it well. Um, I liked his attitude. And, uh, and I know that's a minimum you, uh, a professional football player should give. But I liked he didn't seem phased with the game at all. Um, he was one of the, the, the Celtic players that had so many touches it was unbelievable for one of your back three. Mm-hmm. Um, he stood up to the task well, possibly better than some of the more experienced players there. All the focus was on him and the young man um, went through it very, very... He went through it fine. He did go through it fine. Um, and for that, look, I'm, I'm maybe looking at the bigger picture here. I'm maybe having a look at, well, maybe we have got a centre-half on him. Maybe, maybe we won't need to sign another centre-half. Maybe we have got a young centre, Scottish centre-half there that can do a trick for us, can do a turn for us. Maybe he is one for the future. Maybe he is going to be there for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. So, if he's the only other fit centre-half that we've got as well. So that's the reason why I'll keep on the team. There's, there's probably a bit of fairy tale romance about Celtic like that that I would want to see. So I, I, that's why I've kept Welsh in. And sometimes AC, it can be the making of a player, you know, when you John think back Kennedy, to John Kennedy against John Barca, Kennedy, yep. David Marshall. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you don't give players time to think about it, you're going, you're going in, you're playing. I, 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 I trust you. The, the man management of that, you look at the man management of Martin O'Neill with Kennedy, with, with Marshall, uh, fantastic. And I think, I think Lennon has got that in him. Let, let's, let's, let, let's not be about the bush here about Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon's a man manager. Neil Lennon's a motivator. He's never, he's never deemed to me to be a tactician. Uh, that's just one thing. And I could be completely wrong with that looking in from the outset but the reason I would put Ayer at right back as well with two and the reason I would play Ayer and Taylor and Frimpong and Laxalt is because of the the danger AC Milan possess down the wide areas mm-hmm. and putting two putting these, these four on the wings means you can double up on, on what they're going to attack down that side right now, again, I think um, anyone listening in might be looking at uh, Welsh as a surprise inclusion. I think if it was based solely on his performance, then you wouldn't drop him. But I think the change in shape and trying to play everybody in position would ensure that um, Ayer will be playing alongside Duffy in the centre, centre half. That's the team I've picked anyway, Kevin. Uh, Stevie Mullen earlier on is playing Ralston at right back. Don't know how that would go down, probably like a lead balloon, but he does have European experience. He does have a lot of uh, senior games under his belt. Who are the other right-backs? Well, Frimpong's a right-back. Believe it or not, I don't rate him as a right-back, but he's a right-back. That's his natural position. He seems far more effective going forward. Um, Is it a risk to play him there? There's another thing that Neil Lennon needs to contemplate. 
And the other one that I think some people might be surprised at is Klamala up front. Now, are you just picking your most fit striker for that that position, Kev? Um, I'm a picking my most... Probably. There's probably a, an element of that, but there's also an element that I haven't seen enough of Ayeti to see if he can play that lone striker role. We're going to need to get out tonight. We're going to need to get somebody that will drag us up the park because I do think AC Milan will have quite a bit of the ball. And the reason that I'm playing Fring Pong and Laxall as midfielders is because they, they seem to have the pace to support. If we need to break, they can break. Uh, What's your formation, sorry, Kevin? It's a 4 5 1. 4 5 1, right. It's a 4 5 1. So you've got the extra energy of Christie in there, and you've got the energy from the wings of Fring Pong and Laxall. Uh, Kamala, as well, I reckon, if, if we tell him, we just want you to drag us up the park. There's going to be a, a number of long balls. We want you to drag us up the park. Get so, the ball, turn and run. So the if that was a game plan on Saturday, for example, and Klamala, I'm going to say, didn't do that. A lot of that was down to the fact that the rest of the team didn't allow him to. However, that. would it surprise you if we don't play a striker and we play Christie up top and we bring in Turnbull? Would that surprise you? Under, you know, looking at the, the team selection this season, Kevin? No, no faith what we've seen this season, not at all. But I would think that would be wrong. I think we need Christie's energy in the middle of the park and also for a counter-attacking, breaking, creative point of view. I think we need Christie in his right role yeah. rather than floating about up top trying to drag us up the park when it's right. not his game. Well, I, I mentioned my team earlier on, but just in case you didn't tune in, uh, I've got Barkas and goals. Um, I'm playing with Iron Duffy, centre-half, also four at the back, Kevin. Left-back, Taylor comes back in, but I'd play with Frimpong at right-back because it is his recognised position, regardless of whether or not I think he's a better right-wing-back. And then my five midfielders, or the two, three, would be Brown and McGregor, uh, and in front of them, Turnbull, Christie and Laxalt, with Griffiths up front as a lone striker. It comes to the point, I think, Kevin, when when will... We Griffiths be ready to start a game. I know, and uh, um, Russell made the great point when he's talking about how long does it take players to get fit, mm. and you've got to take the management. You've got to take the management at face value because there's nothing else we can do. We, we can all make judgments about what's happening behind the scenes or what we perceive to to happen, but the only people who make the decisions. Are, are the guys that have got evidence to mo- make those decisions. So if we can sit here all we want and say, how long does it take guys to get fit? It's an interesting point that uh, Welsh and, La- and Laxall walked into that team and, mm-hmm. they've, and they've never been near a football for months. Uh, they've never been near a game for months. And they looked fit enough to me and you. They looked fit enough to my untrained eye. Um, so... You've got to. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. See, there is maybe something more, but based on this season... I would go with Kamala up front. I don't think Ayeti will be fully fit. 
I mean, it's a hamstring injury. It could go at any point. Again, I think we need to maybe wrap him in kid gloves uh, for challenges that are, that, that, that are to come. Um, I.e. Sunday. We've got a massive game on Sunday as well. So that's why I wouldn't be surprised to see Kamala. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Christie up front. But I do think seeing Christie up front would be an, would, would be an error. Would no, so they are. Would be an absolute. So they are, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. No, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. But you're playing. You're virtually playing the 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 four the four six zero again, mm-hmm. and hoping to get up to support. I agree with you, with Christy. I think it was the biggest loss, um, even bigger than Edward on Saturday. For me, the loss of Christy was that that big for Celtic. It's his energy and closing down. Mm-hmm. Christy seems to operate the press. Well. When he, when that high press, we didn't press at all. But he brings in, he brings in. You, you think back to the two European performances, Kevin, against Riga and Sarajevo. Um, primarily, the, the the delivery out to the distribution out to Frimpong was coming from Ryan Christie. Yes, and then similarly on the left hand side, releasing Taylor was Ryan Christie. Ryan that that's what he was doing. He was linking up and he was uh, giving Celtic a bit of width. I seen none of that on Saturday, none whatsoever. I felt that uh, El Yunusian and Chan were complete passengers, and uh, you know Frimpong had the worst game I've seen him playing in a Celtic jersey. And I don't think for a minute the game plan was for him not to run at that Rangers defence. I don't know why he didn't do it. People have said he, he was doubled up on. It's never stopped him in the past. He's been doubled up on all season, and that includes in the European games. His instinct is to take a man on. Why didn't he do it? I want to see a lot more of that tonight. I think that Luxol. Also has that in him, looking at footage from his previous club and also uh, Uruguay. Now, it's interesting that we're talking about Laxalt because you kind of hope he is going to be a bit of a hidden weapon, maybe, uh, knowing the, the team that's his parent club. You've been talking about some of your memories, AC Milan, some of your phone memories and kits and players and teams, etc. We've had a few players, we've obviously got one just now in Laxalt, who've played with AC Milan. Paolo De Canio, anyone? Massimo Donati, has there been any others? Have a wee think about that. But I know that Milan um, have already stated an interest in Chris Ayer. Maldini's confirmed that. And just in the last few days, have spoken of their admiration for Callum McGregor. Um, when players are going into games like this, because we live in a cutthroat industry uh, when, when it comes to football, is that on players' minds, like Ayer, who might be looking for a move some sometime soon? I would hope so. Hope it is on his mind, and he goes out and has an absolute blinder for mm-hmm. us. I, I, I really let, let's let, let's. Stevie says something earlier on about if you give football players an inch, they take a mile, and it's also the same when they feel that they've got a chance to put themselves in the shop window. Christopher Ayer has came to Celtic to progress his career. He doesn't see Celtic anything more than a stepping stone. He'll enjoy his time at the club. He'll love his time at the club. But there will be a point that he'll come to look on. He'll come to move on. And he'll know that scouts are not going to be watching him against Hamilton at New Douglas Park. He'll know that scouts are not going to be watching him on Sunday even against Aberdeen at Pataudry. They're going to be watching him tonight. Mm-hmm. They're going to be watching him in the big games. And I thought he was okay against Rangers. I thought if you were a scout watching that Rangers game on Saturday you would have came away raving about Barisic Tavernia and Kamara and Ayer they, they were the four players you would have been if, if I was given if I was writing a scouting report they would have been the four players that would have stuck out for us so you're looking at tonight and I'm going well 
if there's, if there's a bit of self-service for Christopher Iyer to go out and have a blinder and it benefits us, I'm all for it. Yep. I, I've got, I've got no... I've got, I've got no problem with that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're looking at these uh, previous players, obviously, who's played, I'm sure there was a young, was a no young goalkeeper that we signed. Did Milan Masoun no come from? He was now a goalie, of course, but did he no come from Milan? Milan Masoun, remember him? Somebody online will be able to tell us. I'm just thinking of links between AC Milan uh, and Celtic. But I think when we go into the game tonight, we've mentioned Sunday, Kevin. Is Lenny picking his team? Is he going to be very much like some of the fans that have said this uh, this week about 10 in a row? Is he picking his team tonight with one eye on Aberdeen or is he doing what I've been suggesting in that you're preparing for Aberdeen by getting a good performance tonight, getting a bit of momentum and getting the confidence back in the legs? I'm going to have a look at Lenny's mentor, which was Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill... Even when he came into Celtic and we were that far behind Rangers that time, Martin O'Neill came in and he kept on talking about Europe. Neil Lennon has possibly got the greatest Celtic victory in Europe in the last 20 years when we beat Barcelona, that, that, that fabulous Barcelona team at home. He knows that he knows the merit of European football to Celtic. He knows that we can only attract players of a certain calibre if we do well in Europe. And I, I don't think he'll have a mind on Aberdeen. I think he'll have a mind on this game. And he'll be looking for a reaction in this game from his players. And he won't be giving anybody a night off with Sunday on mind. Eh, because his players let him down. The players let the fans down. And he maybe let himself down on, on eh, Saturday as well. So he'll be looking to make amends tonight and I only wish that we were there it feels like somebody's actually tore off my right arm that, that, that we're no there and football is beginning to feel like that that there's something really missing now oh, and and I've I've always been in the opinion Paul I've sat in here many times that football shouldn't have started before fans were allowed in and you see games in the Champions League over the last couple of nights where there's fans there there was fans in Kiev there was fans in, in other games there was fans in France eh? and even just having that slight crowd noise natural crowd noise that natural passion it was great to watch again mm-hmm. even if even if it was especially Kiev Stadium holds numerous, numerous thousands and there was only maybe 10,000 in it that noise that those fans created, the ultras created, we're missing that. We're definitely missing that. We're we're part of the football club, and that we're no there is is sad. It's really really sad. It certainly is. Now again, as I said before, um, Saturday hugely disappointing. We've done a lot of talking about it, and uh, as of tonight, we'll be talking about this game because obviously we move on uh, very quickly when you're uh, talking about Celtic. But before we do that, and before we look at the comments coming through on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter, Kevin, let's talk a wee bit about Neil Lennon. I was saying earlier on, without any inside information, without any of this in the know that a lot of people claim to have, um, that there, there seems to be a scenario where Lennon is not getting the best out of certain players. And this season, particularly Eduard, I, I think it's safe to say, and Cham, uh, Julian's injured at the moment. And, you know, I, I pitched the view that 
perhaps these players who view themselves as eventually becoming elite players or have come from elite backgrounds or elite setups, and people may scoff at Julien, but he won the World Cup at under-20 level, so he's been involved in the France uh, underaged um, level very successfully, which I, I think if you win the World Cup, that's elite for me. Man City academies or PSG academies in the KCN Cham and Eduard, and you come along to Celtic, who we aim to be an elite club, and I think anybody of a Celtic state of mind, that would be the, the main ambition. But the change, the change in culture around the club from Brennan Rodgers to Neil Lennon uh, may not suit that type of player. Do you think that is an issue at the moment, and do you think Neil Lennon can overcome it? We can only speculate, and we can, I, hear, I, I hear it says quite often that we don't get coached. The coaching's bad. We don't get set up well. Um, which I find difficult to believe in this day and age. I, I really do. Well, let's not be about... Let's, let, let's be truthful. The Rangers look a far better team than us at this precise moment in time because they've been playing that way for two years. They know their jobs inside out. They are a better side a better team than us. They maybe haven't got better a better squad, but at the moment their first eleven is functioning as a better team than what we are. We seem to be a bit like a vinyl record that's got beer spilt on it. Sometimes we get a tune, then it jumps onto the next record, and it jumps onto the next bit, and we, we just seem to be all over the shop. There seems to be a bit of doubt um, of what we're trying to achieve, of what we're trying to do, of what our identity is. And our identity last season under Lenny was we get the ball forward and we score goals. We get the ball in the box quick. And maybe this is one of the reasons why I'm I'm playing uh, Fringpong and Laxall and Kamala tonight. Would be I'll be just telling Kamala, when the ball goes out to La- Laxall, did you see the number of first-time balls he put in the ball? As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Oxen Saturday. Like so? Uh, ah, but who's on the end of them? I'll be telling Kamala, as soon as he gets the ball, you get in the box. Mm. Just, just head for that box. Is that, got, is that doing he, his own game management on Saturday or Kevin? I don't know. We really don't know. We haven't seen enough of him eh? to actually say, was he told to do that or was mm. that just his style of play that I get the ball here and I put it into the box mm-hmm. because that's what I've been 
taught to do at AC Milan. I get the ball in early into the box. Something Taylor doesn't do. Taylor no. is ponderous. He puts his foot in the ball. He passes sideways. He passes back the way. I've picked him in my starting eleven tonight, but it certainly isn't a feature of his play. Whoever is up top for Celtic. I would hope they get the instruction. Stand on the last man and we're just going to knock it in early. Just make sure that you're ready to run the channels. When the two wide players head into the box because that ball's gone into the box. And if we get decent deliveries into the box, we want you on the end of it. I would, that's what I'm looking for, the strikers. Get us up out of the park and actually attack cross balls into the box. It's, it depends... It, Going back to your point, it actually does depend on what these what these players see as development. What is the what? Right, we all know that Brendan pulled Celtic up to elite level. Has that been gradually getting eroded by the changes with Damien Duff leaving, Gavin Stratton coming in, John Kennedy being there, Lennon's just maybe getting his own, making his own stamp on things, but then. I go back to the conversation that we had that night that Lennon was appointed interim manager and we bet Hearts 2-1 at Tynecastle. Mm-hmm. We both says he can come in as long as he doesn't change anything. Leave what Brendan left there because the club is operating at a higher level than than since... The club is operating at a level not seen since Martin O'Neill was there. So has, Lennon, has Neil Lennon failed to adapt to that? Has he failed to adapt his style to what was already in place? Maybe he's found it a bit uncomfortable. Because last season we wouldn't be having this conversation. He won 53 points out of 58 after uh, the the December game, the defeat against Rangers. So it's only now that we're having this conversation. What's changed this season? Maybe maybe what's changed is the players have seen... We're in lockdown for four months. The seasons have been curtailed. These young laddies have been sitting in their houses locked down, gone, I quite fancy a change now and it's not happened. Have they been promised things? Have they been... Their agents have maybe promised them things that haven't haven't, haven't came to fruition? Are they bored? They've won everything they can in Scotland. What does 10 mean to these these guys? And I'm talking even about the Scottish players as well. It should mean something to domestic players. It should mean something, but... They'll go away on international duty. And they speak to Ryan Christie's great pals with Stuart Armstrong. Stuart Armstrong sitting down in Southampton, earning four or five times the money, maybe, that Ryan Christie's on. Proving his sell down at Southampton. That's the level that Ryan Christie's going to go to. And, t- and Tierney. And, and, and Tierney as well. Uh-huh. They're sitting there playing their PS4s, socially distanced feature, each other, in a hotel lounge or a hotel room. So they all talk... And you look at Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, the biggest Celtic fan in that team, was still willing to go, well, I've won everything, I've done everything I can do up here. And there's also a pressure. Do you want to be, I've I've said before, failure won't reflect well on anybody this season. History won't be kind to them. No. And are these players looking at it going, I'd rather get out when I can, I'd rather get out as a winner then take the risk, take the chance that we may fail this season. I think it comes down to the individual and their motivation, Kevin, but when you're looking at such a monumental um, success as 10 in a row that decade of dominance, and I would expect 
if and when that title is won for massive changes in the outlook of the club to take place. But what we'll do is we'll have a look at some of the comments coming in on Facebook, Twitter and also on YouTube. And if you are watching on YouTube, make sure that you do subscribe to the channel. We are going out live on a daily basis. This is our second broadcast of the day. Kevin mentioned earlier that Celtic are putting advertising on their seats. Well, we've got a big advert across the top of the screen as well for fans bet. And if you want to get some fan boosts, which are um, specifically designed for our listeners, then they will be on our Twitter page after this particular bulletin. Now, follow our Celtic on Twitter. Afternoon again. Uh, welcome back. Going for a 3-2 tonight. Hope Frimpong uh, got Walsh or Ralston behind him. He can attack... Ralston, when the names Ralston and Welsh were, were mentioned on Friday, there was a, a bit of a, you know, a guffaw. You could almost hear it was palpable. Um, to such a point, I was so confident, Kevin, that Welsh wasn't going to be playing and it was no disrespect to the young guy. Um, I just didn't think, I think, I thought that Lenny would change the shape before he would throw in a player like, like Welsh. I've not picked Ralston, but I would much rather someone was in their position would it be a massive surprise, I've already asked you, would it be a massive surprise if Christie started? What about Ralston? Has he started a game for Lenny? I think I remember seeing him last season on at least one occasion. Has he started a game for Neil Lennon? Well, the last time I can rem- remember Ralston playing for us was a midweek game. Uh, I think it was just before uh, Rogers left and he scored. I think he scored against St. Johnson. I think that's the last game I can remember. It was one of the games after the winter break. Uh, that's the last game I can remember him featuring for Celtic. Mm. Obviously, he went on St. John. He went to St. Johnson on loan uh, for Neil Lennon's first season. So I would very much doubt that he's actually started a game under Neil Lennon. Um, would it be a surprise? It would be a massive surprise because he's been to Dundee United on loan. He's been to St. Johnson on loan. And never set the header on fire at both those clubs. Played um, a lot of games at St Johnson. He played didn't a lot of games at St Johnson, and I'm fortunate enough to know a St Johnson season ticket holder. Or unfortunate enough. Or he's unfortunate a, enough to have it. He's, he's a good lad, Fraser. He is a good lad, um, and he says that Anthony Ralston would be a good player for St Johnson, but not for us. That was his honest take on Anthony Ralston, mm. and I'm going to say that. Fraser has seen Anthony Ralston more often than what I've seen him eh, because he goes and watch St, he did go and watch St Johnson home and away. Yep. So I'm going to take his word of it and I've got to say that was probably the coaching staff's take on it, a, a knowledgeable take on it as well. Eh, Welsh hasn't he, well, obviously went to Morton on loan last year as well. And played some games he, at right he, back. He played some games at right back as well. Um but I think Ralston's further down the road in Welsh. I'm no a hundred percent. I wouldn't like to comment on the ages with him, but Ralston's had far more competitive man's football than what uh, Welsh has got. And those with the knowledge in football have got more uh, facts, figures, and know-how to make a decision on Anthony Ralston and what they have gone out with Stephen Welsh. If that makes sense, yeah. They, they, again, they've they've got the, the they've got more more evidence. We're normally talking, Kevin. We're normally talking about uh, players who are getting picked for big European games because we've we've not worked fast enough uh, in the transfer uh, market. 
And in the past, we've seen players getting starts like Sadie Yanko and uh, O'Connell. And of course, Stafford mentioned Ralston playing against PSG and that uh, infamous picture of him with Neymar, which I don't think's aged that well, to be honest with you. But this time round, it's due to illness uh, mainly, isn't it, that we're, we're scratching about trying to figure out who's going to play right back. Frimpong came in as a right back. He's shown himself as being a much better uh, wing back. However, it's another option. Um, we're, we're hearing through the social media channels that the team's been leaked again. It all depends. I mean, I, I said this last um, at the beginning of the week, and I'll say it again with regards to team leaks. Um, I get them if virtually every single game, Kevin. I get them through WhatsApp virtually every game. A lot of the time you forward me them. Uh, <laughs> I, know that, that. I know that you're not up at Lennox Town. But what I wouldn't do is two things. I don't forward them on anywhere and I certainly wouldn't read them out as gospel on this podcast because I don't know what the team line is. If I know, don't you be checking your phone by That's the way. I'm just checking my phone. Didn't you be giving me a, didn't, don't be giving me the team. <laughs> and if I did know the team, I wouldn't announce it either because, you know, that there's a real issue at the moment around that at Celtic. And uh, if it has been leaked again tonight, then that's a massive a massive concern. It already is a concern. But a few people are coming in. There's one coming in from Facebook, Paul Team Leak. Um, and we've also got Ryan Bias coming in from YouTube, Team Being Leaked again. Well, who knows until the team's announced? You know, because team lines are, are circulated all the time, Kevin, aren't they? And I'll tell you what, if Clamalla's playing up front, I'm going to start pointing the finger at you. <laughs> well, I haven't got it. So if it has been leaked, it hasn't, hasn't appeared on my CSC WhatsApp yet by the two guys who always put it on the CSC WhatsApp, and I'm no naming them, but no, they can who they are. That's good. And they will be watching this. Now, Jerry Mesh, Kevin has brought up the fact that there was, I mean, this, this is the thing, right? You put your, your neck on the chopping block if you're doing a daily broadcast, Kevin, and back in the day when um, Neil Lennon was appointed interim manager or permanent manager, we would have given our, our views, and they're out there. We don't delete them if they're wrong, they're out there. Um, and obviously, you, you could look back and say, well, I stand by that, or I've changed my mind. You're allowed to change your mind, aren't you? Definitely. Well, Jerry Mesh comes in to say, uh, welcome to the show, Jerry. In the car park after the Hearts final was like a morgue when it was announced that Lennon was given the job full time. So your guest is on the money. It ruined what was a night of celebration. Um, you know, when, when Brennan Rogers left the club, um, a certain individual was required to take over the job at that point, Kevin. And I've mentioned it. And again, these are things, these are terms sometimes that uh, you can't quantify. We needed a togetherness because of the nature uh, in which Brendan left the club. We needed someone to galvanise the team, to bring it all together. And I think at that time, when he, when he came in on an interim basis, that he was, at that point, the right man to the end of the season. And I say that at the time, and I totally... I totally thought that and I believe that to, to this day. But I also said that should he wrap up the treble, it'll be very difficult for Celtic not to give him the job. So do you think at the interim basis there was an agreement of sorts? If I get this treble, the job's mine. You would think that's the way football works. Yes, and as I said... And last season we weren't complaining. We weren't complaining last season, no. But I think we knew... And we says it at the time, Paul, and people can go back and listen to what we says at the time. We both says as an interim, we wouldn't want a better person. There wasn't the, he was a he was the best guy to come in and get us over that line towards yep. the end of that season. That cup final, 
when he stood in front of me with that Scottish Cup at the corner flag, I was saying goodbye to him because I didn't, I didn't expect him to get the job full time. By the time I had got back to the coach, the bus, he had got the job full time. I had to got the job. Then I'd seen a parking ticket in my windscreen, um, and I was more upset with the parking ticket. And I'll show you the split on on the on the supporter on the supporters bus. All the young team were distraught. Right. And all the Celtic dads were gone. Well, it could work. He's just won a treble. The, and, and this distraught reaction, though, Kevin, is that because we had raised the bar yes. with Brendan Rodgers that, to that elite level of manager? Looking back in hindsight, yes, that was the reason. We we saw what an elite manager could do, mm-hmm. and it seemed to be that we were that we were going back over uh, old water. We, 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 we were going backwards by appointing Neil Lennon. Rightly or wrongly, everybody everybody can have a look at that view. That it just seemed to be, and even the way, and I've said this plenty of times on this podcast, he didn't deserve the way that he was appointed. The whole, I we got him at the shower and we tell him that he was going to be appointed. Was he having a shower? Aye. Was Peter Lowell having a shower? Who knows? And these questions have never it been just asked. Seemed, it just seemed to be it was a... Why would the manager have a shower? It, it was pouring rain. It was probably wet. Cold. I'm making excuses why Neil Lennon was having a shower there. I don't know why he was having a shower. He was getting his suit on to go out for a night out. Right. Because at that day points, we could still go on nights, nights out. Yeah, you know. Seems like a long could, time ago. Remember, we could go on the nights out. So, the whole... I actually thought, sorry, before we move on, the reason I'm asking that, I just thought he, he maybe pulled him into a, a quiet area of the changing room, which was the shower, which was neon. Whatever it was, it seemed farcical that a major football club would appoint their manager. Did it even happen, Kevin? Who knows? You know, uh, it seemed uh, to uh, me uh, like uh, almost a throwaway comment that everybody dived on to discredit the appointment. You, you look at the names that we were linked with, though. Vila Boas, Benitez. There were numerous other Benitez names. has spoken about that interest, hasn't he? He did. Mm. Oh, he has spoken about He's not having a very good time in China either. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The club never denied. The club never came out and says, by the way, if Neil does what we want him to do, then he is going to get the job permanently. The fact that he wasn't allowed to bring in his own staff probably should have set alarm bells ringing at that point. With fans or with Neil Lennon? With fans and with Neil. But he would have known that before. He would have have known that. You know, the, the job would have been offered on that basis. The club went from a manager who had full control to all of a sudden the CEO, the the major shareholders. Let, let, let's not let, let's not like take anything away, away from it. Dermot Desmond is anything but an ab, ab, absentee landlord. <laughs> he, he he is he is anything that he says goes, and he likes Neil. He's came out and says that in numerous interviews that he likes, likes Neil, but he can be quite ruthless as well. And I think the way that he cut ties with Brendan Rodgers after he left mm. shows that uh, Rodgers is not going to be on his Christmas card list after that. So it's very difficult because Neil Lennon will always be a Celtic legend. He will always be a Celtic legend, but... For those of us who remember Neil's first time there, there's no surprise that we've had performances that we've had. My biggest surprise is the coaching staff left there have allowed these type of performances to creep back in. 
But there's no, there would be, be no surprise that he's led us to, there is no surprise that he's led us to success and there is no surprise where we are completely doubting him at this point. The, 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 this, this was always in the post with the, you just have to have a look at Neil Lennon's history as a Celtic manager, the Hibs manager, Bolton manager. I think Bolton, this point was always going to happen. Bolton was a wee bit of an anomaly because people do use that to, you know, hit him over the bat way. I mean, no, the, I think he would, I would probably just, be the first to admit that the due diligence should have been done on that job before he went down. That was a basket case of a club. Then let's look at this. Let's look at this. He bet Barcelona, and for the following month, he was never off Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. Him and Johan Mialbi were never off Sky Sports. And we all slagged Brendan about promoting their brand. Him and Mialbi were looking for a way out at that point. They thought that they, they thought that their meal ticket was beating Barcelona. They were getting a premiership job that summer, and it never happened. Mm. And he lost interest. And I, I don't maybe that my, my take on it is he lost interest in Celtic the following season when that job didn't come along. One thing I would say, because Rogers' name has re-emerged in a lot of conversations this week, but I'm not. let's not forget that it wasn't all sweetness and light under Brendan no, Rodgers. I mean, the European performances were often despicably poor. The signing, um, the signing record of Brendan Rodgers at Celtic, if you were to go for a hit and miss, was more misses than hits. When you look at the behaviour of Rodgers in engineering his move out of the club and publicly criticising those that employed him in this infamous Terminado interview and throwing the toys at the pram when he couldn't push his transfer budget up to the level of Timothy Castagne when there was already a transfer budget in place or being presented with players from the scouting team and not even looking at them, Kevin, that were within his budget. Uh, the Boyata situation, the boy basically went on strike. Dembele situation, engineering a move to China. So, you know, we had a really good invincible season. But we, we can't just, you know, paper over the cracks there. No, Lenny no. came in, and at that time we needed Neil Lennon. And he answered the call, and he done brilliantly well to wrap up the treble. I think the discredit in nature, um, they probably regret saying that he's just been offered it in the changing room, because now people are saying that, ah, oh, you know, an elite club would never do that. There's comments coming through the now saying that. Definitely. I don't even think it happened. You know, that job, that magnitude was offered prior to that day. Never mind in a changing room or in a we, you know in a shower. We we can only surmise that when Neil took that job on an interim basis, he was told, by the way, if you win the league and win the Scottish Cup, the job's yours. You're getting a crack at this. You're, you're getting, getting a crack, crack at, at nine in a row. Aye. And by the way, yes, up to that point there were some bad performances. You know, we were there mm-hmm. in the Rangers game. You know, gutted after that, but then. 53 and 58 points, I think someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Brilliant second half to the season, Kevin. We come into this season 10 in a row. Couple of wee issues, obviously, with Lee Griffiths, etc. More than happy with the transfer business. Mm-hmm. The only player, I think, that we really, really tried to, to get was Forster. I'm now wondering why he didn't come up. What what was the issue there? Uh, we brought in Barkas, expensive goalkeeper, who we had scouted previously. So we were happy with the transfer dealings that we had done. But there's something preventing us from going into full flow. At a club like Celtic, and with Neil Lennon, it's almost as if he's on a short leash with the fans and with the media. We know that. Anything goes wrong, there's an issue. There's an internal issue. You know, you've got people like Chris Boyd, Chris Commons, they're all jumping on the bandwagon. There's an internal issue. 
But you do start wondering it when you look at the nature of that defeat on Saturday, the nature of the performances, the way, the languid way that the club is, uh, the players are going about their business. Um, you know, you, you can start looking at body language. We're no experts. Christie doesn't celebrate against St. Johnson. All that kind of stuff, you know. You can start looking at that. Players want away. We're always getting leaks coming through on WhatsApp, Kevin, you know. And people are accusing you of having leaked a team because apparently <laughs> the leaked team is very similar to yours other than Clamalla. Um, yeah, he's in for Clamalla. So I'll tell you what, I hope that's not the team because then <laughs> oh, Axon no. will be getting the blame two weeks running. Um, I can confirm Kevin guessed that team and Sean uh, on YouTube has guessed a different team. Sean's team is a 4-3-3, mm-hmm. which is becoming quite fashionable, isn't it? When will 4-4-2 become fashionable again, Kevin? It's all cyclical. Barkas, Frimpong, Ayer, Duffy, Laxalt, McGregor, Brown, Turnbull, Christie, Ayete, El Yunusi. I'd be surprised with El Yunusi. I thought he was very poor on Saturday, Kev. I would be surprised as well. What's yeah. the story with him? I mean, we were chuffed to bits when he signed again. You know, he, he's been hit and miss this season and, and it was definitely a miss on Saturday. It's really frustrating me, I say. It's really frustrating. He's got talent and there is games where he's pulled a, when he, Sarajevo away. But no, no, the team regal away. Yeah, what a finish that was, yeah. and he's got the ability. And but when he shunned that one on Saturday, rather than just putting his laces through it, um, he seems to be a bit hot and cold. Um, when he first came up, he, he was fantastic, and maybe we are looking at that player before his injury, before he got in, in, injured on international duty. It's just, it's a, I think it's a fans thing that we're always looking for. Stories because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Pop elite itself, Kevin. Uh-huh. It's something I mentioned at the beginning of the week, the top of the week. You can go right back to Dyler, right? There's mutiny in the camp, senior pros, you know, they're not playing for the manager. And that's but, that's years ago, and then it, it seeps into the Rogers here. And history proved that to be right because Brendan Rogers says it when he, when he arrived and he says it in his book. I was told of all the problems in the dressing room when I got rid of them. Yeah. But then a new set of problems came under Brennan Rogers. Definitely. You know? When he's telling players how many pay packets they've got left mm-hmm. before the end of their career. That's the way Brendan operates. That's the way that's how he gets his results, which is great. I've all I have says and people oh, I reckon there's a book on man management of how Neil Lennon got us across that line to the treble Yeah, treble. let's not forget it. And but again, I always had my doubts longer term. And there's always been spells under Neil Lennon where this, these doubts have crept in. You look, he was half-time at Rugby Park. He was getting a sack if Tony Stokes hadn't pulled him out the fire. Mm-hmm. And what did he say to the, the team at half-time at Rugby Park that day? Do you know? I wasn't in the dressing room. If you didn't want me to get the sack, you need to pull this round. That's what he told the team. Mm. And when and he did free each and they did. Yeah. Has he went in on Monday or Tuesday whenever they went into this game and gone, if you didn't want me to get the sack, boys, you're going to need to pull this out the hat. And see see the night. If there was 50,000 Celtic fans there the night, I would be sitting here at this precise moment in time on the way to the, well, on the, way to the ground going, it wouldn't surprise me if we get a result tonight. It wouldn't surprise me if we pull something out of the bag mm-hmm. and get one of the most famous victories because we're there. And Neil would use his motivation and the fact that there's 50,000 Celtic fans there. And we would we would drag this team by the hair over the line. But we're not there tonight. So, 
it's going to be extremely difficult for us to get a result tonight because we're not there. What would you say? Or the reaction that we want because we're not there. Because we're a massive element, absolutely, right. especially on a European night. We know that, Kevin, absolutely agree with you. What would you say to Celtic fans at the moment who are of the the viewpoint that Neil Lennon needs to, to leave? Because we've heard a lot on this podcast, not by me. Mm-hmm. I've yet to say that. I've been critical all week. I've not said that. I, I think it could be more damaging. Um, Tony, who was in yesterday, brilliant podcast with Tony, Tony Haggerty. And Tony said, you know, if it's got to happen, it's got to happen now because, you know, that there comes a point where you're at the point of no return. Uh, but he wasn't advocating any sacking of Neil Lennon. I've got, I've got to say that. On Monday, we did have one of our guests saying, Lennon out. I've seen it all week on social media. What would you say to fans who are of that uh, frame of mind at the moment? I'm sitting right on the fence. I understand where both camps are. I can see why it's a massive risk to get rid of him at this precise moment in time. But I can also see why fans are on that side of the fence wanting to get rid of him. Uh, wanting Neil to leave at this precise mo- at this precise moment in time. Um, Somebody disagreeing with you, just uh, put a brick through the back window of your car. Back window there, eh? um, what I would say, I'm, I'm not going to divert from my opinion that I gave you on the 26th of May 2019. I felt the appointment of Neil Lennon was the beginning of the end. The end, of, the end of what? The end of this... Domestic the, domination? The, the domestic domination. Right. And I'm not going to divert for that. That's what I'm whether this is the right time to try and salvage what will be, I don't know. It'll uh, be guys with more knowledge, a uh, higher intelligence than me that makes that decision. But what I will actually say is whatever they put in next will only be a short term fix because whatever happens this season, if we achieve the ten, if we don't achieve the ten I reckon our club was looking over the edge of a cliff anyway, whatever happened. I always think, Kevin... And COVID is actually amplified well, There's that. an element that no one no planned one predicted, for. No But I, th- I always thought that the option to bring Neil Lennon in was obviously part of the original deal when he came in as an interim manager. I then thought that, obviously, no one's going to argue if you're winning trebles, which he has. Obviously, the Scottish Cup's still up for grabs. It's been carried on from last season. But I do think that there was a plan beyond winning the 10 and Celtic thought they could operate as is and it would get us that far. It would get us to 10. They didn't expect Rangers, um, and I'm allowed to say that, Rangers, the team that beat us on Saturday, um, to to um, improve as much as they have done and in a shorter period of time under Gerard, because they were so poor. Everybody knows how poor they were. They're never challengers. I don't think they expected that. I don't think they expected the players that have come in in that transfer window to somehow worsen the team because that, they have. The team's worse than it was last season. The players we brought in, we were raving about the transfer window, Kevin. At this moment in time, the team's no better than it was last season. It might be on paper, but I'm not seeing it. So nobody expected that. And I think the board expected Celtic to operate as is with some investment in the transfer window just closed and that would get us to the ten. Maybe we one eye on getting into the Champions League group stages, if possible, because we should with the level of investment that we've made. Yes, the, the transfers often are done too late in the day. Ferenc Varos, you know, 
the, the situation with COVID, one-off games, everything has um, contributed to that not being the case. People are saying you're overreacting. People are saying Celtic fans are overreacting. But it's no one result we're looking at. It's the whole state of play this season. It's the mood around the camp. And it is the feeling that we get around people not being happy. There are leaks from Celtic Football Club. And that that's a fact. People are leaking information. It's been happening since the transfer targets were leaked. I'm not saying it's the same person, but there are issues at Celtic. So we're now looking at a situation where tonight's game and Sunday's game have become massive. Massive. They would have been big games anyway, Kevin, but they are now massive in the way that Celtic will proceed this season. And I think they're massive in the future of Neil Lennon. They are. And that's why I'm looking for a performance, a passion tonight. Um, I want something to hang my hat on. I want something to believe in. And I think part of that was taken away on on Saturday from a lot of the support that they've got nothing to believe in anymore. There's one... I'm going to pick you up on one thing that you actually says there that you didn't expect the custodians of our club takes. They'd, they'd never planned for Rangers becoming good again. They, sh- they, they didn't been, expect them they to become been, challengers. They should have been planning for that as soon as Gerard started getting results against Brendan Rodgers. As soon as Gerard started getting results in Europe, they should have been thinking to themselves, going, wait a minute. Is that, a why we've, is that why we've invested? As heavily as we have in the maybe, transfer window, maybe, but they shouldn't have been just going. Ah, they're going to be rubbish forevermore because the no fina- rubbish, no rubbish. But, but they weren't going to they, win they the league. Aye. But the financial realities of Scottish football are this: they've got forty-five thousand season ticket holders, which means that they're going to be far better than anybody else in Scottish football, bar us. Mm-hmm. And at one point, they're going to get it right, and we've got to we've got to think. Did anybody expect them to get it right this early, Kevin? This is the question. But they're two and a half years in uh, Gerard's reign. Mm. It's two and a half years that, I'm going to say something here, if the league hadn't finished early, if COVID hadn't cut the, the league off... Is this I, going to be controversial, I Kevin? I don't think Gerard would be in a job at this precise moment in time. No, absolutely. Aye, they were, I mean, that game at Ibrox... And we went up and picked the tickets up. I wonder where that ticket is, actually, because I never What's got a refund for it. Uh, was it 50-odd 50 50 quid? Um, now, that that game there, I, I fully expected us to go in and absolutely dismantle that side at that point. I think we, were, we, we, would have, we wouldn't have lost that game going to Ibrox that Saturday or Sunday or whatever it was. No, I think we would have absolutely annihilated them. And the break has allowed Rangers to double down on their project. And their project is Gerard. It's, it's uh, I was going to call him Ian Beale as well. Uh, Michael Beale. Uh, they've got the project and they've doubled down and they've realised that, as I says, I don't think Gerard would have been in the job if the season had finished. But it is. Well, he is. And it's and our custodian's team. point to make sure that we don't. And I'm, when I call a custodian, I call Neil Lennon a custodian as well. It's up to them to make sure that we're going to be successful at the end of the year and do not rest on their laurels. There's another football there's another football cliche for you. Have they? Is there something up? It looks that way. At this precise now we've got nothing really to believe in because 
last minute winners against St Johnson are great you can believe in last minute winners against St Johnson because you believe in the team you believed in the mentality of the team to be, be to be completely lack or devoid of any sort of interest passion soul as we were at the weekend makes it difficult for you to believe in what's actually happening at the football club at this precise moment in time Mm-hmm. And you just really do focus on the, you, you really just do focus on the negatives. Yeah. But for me sitting here, I reckon it would be different if there were sixty thousand there on Saturday and sixty thousand here the night. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I think it would be completely different. No, I, th- I I would agree with you there, Kevin. Uh, going back to your point there, I don't think anybody was of the view that Rangers would never get better. They had to get better because they were absolutely atrocious at one point. And um, I just don't think that they expected them to be such a serious challenge at this stage of this season. I think that's very naive. Naive? Of people in the charge of the club. Well, the naivety is shown through. Is that why we have invested heavily in this transfer market? You've got to see. In the last window? You've got to say yes. Well, how long does it take before these new transfers that come in gel into that side um, and this is a big question you go out we want a win on Sunday right that that is priority the 10 in a row the league is a priority but in order to get that win you need a performance tonight don't you you can't have two horrific performances we can't have a repeat tonight of what we've seen on Saturday and then expect everybody to pick it up for Sunday these two games are of massive importance to, to Neil Lennon's future at Celtic if we are as lifeless as roadkill tonight we are in baller. We are in baller. Here's a question for you, Kevin. People, and, uh, and we can we can sit here and say, "Oh, there must be a problem." This the only the only people that know that know what's going on behind the scenes are the people that make the decisions. Here's a wee question so for you: Twenty two players, the coaching staff, Peter Law. That should be the case. That should be the case. People who should know what's going on behind the that scenes. Should that should be the case, problem. but there's leaks. That should be the case. Now, going back to your point earlier, on one hand, had the, the league not been um, curtailed when it was, Gerard would have got sacked. Therefore, the team had, you know, fallen off the side of a cliff, as they had done. So you're then saying, well, they go from that to becoming title challengers. And it would have been naive of the Celtic custodians not to have seen that coming. Based on last season, Rangers were terrible by the time it was curtailed. So there's been a huge turnaround in terms of them as a unit and there's been a turnaround in Celtic falling apart as a unit. Now, there's two elements to that. Celtic, when you look at the performances, now people might give me the points total based on this season against last season and against the season before, but the the fact is the only points that I'm interested in is the deficit between top and second. Let's turn that round. And as you've mentioned that we've spent heavily in the transfer market and we didn't let anybody go. Mm. Why would we do that if we reckon Rangers would fall off a cliff? No, I never, I never said that. They fell off a cliff last season. They fell off a cliff. And it would have been but naive, you said it would have been naive, naive for anyone that, to believe that they would come out and win the league this season. I, that, that, I, that was your point. I would think it would maybe, no, maybe the point I was trying to make was it would be naive to believe that that would happen again. That history would repeat itself. That we could sleepwalk, which was the word that was used on Monday, that we could sleepwalk into losing this league. Asleep at the wheel. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so going back to the, the original point, if we've invested as heavily as we have done 
to ensure that we win 10 in a row. Yet the team doesn't perform, and the root of that is Neil Lennon's admission on uh, the post-match, his fault that the team are not performing. Does the manager go? I'm going to go back. Because I think we've got the players... And I'm not going to... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to portray any confidences here because there was 50 folk in this meeting when Peter Law says this. And one of, one of the attendees of this meeting went like that and it was after the EAK Athens game. And they says, why should we be getting beat of EAK Athens when we've got a far greater resource? And the answer from the top table from the man who seemingly makes the higher and fire decisions, or as the face of these higher and fire decisions says, it's just a temporary performance issue. It's all down to performance. It's not down to the resource. It's down to a temporary performance issue. If he still believes that, then Neil Lennon's jacket is on a shaky nail. Right. How shaky? The next two games, the how next, pivotal? The, how pivotal is the next two games? The next two games are really, really pivotal. So, I but, would, but I'm not talking about the result tonight. I'm talking about if we are complete and utterly soulless and lifeless tonight, then you may see a change before Sunday. That is incredible to hear that. The thing is, well, though, Kevin, that depends on what's happening behind the scenes. No, of course it does, but you know, maybe your leak will send that to you via WhatsApp. Um, Stephen quite rightly said, and, and so did Tony actually, that if a change is made, then it needs to be somebody who can hit the ground running. That, I mean, it seems obvious, but it does need to well, be somebody like that. I'll, I'll tell you one thing now, if the change is made before Sunday or after Sunday, you're into Martin O'Neill Roy Keane territory. Oh, didn't I say Roy Keane? You're into that territory. What, as a team? As a management team? As a management team. That frightens me. It frightens Roy, me. Roy Keane. But anyway, are, we shouldn't be talking about new managers. No, we shouldn't be talking about that. But where are you going to get a long-term solution? No, but that was the situation we were in when Rogers left. You know, going back and the cyclical we're nature of this. Another, we're back to another Neil Lennon situation. Yeah. Hitting the ground running, the making ground sure running. they get Aye. the job done. Yes. And that's where we were Aye. previously. And that's where we will be again if there is a change anytime soon. So we will be live before the game, Kevin. We'll be live after the game. I don't know if you're coming on Sunday. You'll need to confirm that later on. But we can ask you your your views on it after the, the performance. If you want me here on Sunday, I could be here. They could be. Yeah, you could be. <laughs> X Factor Paul. So if somebody gives me, what's it, Britain's Got Talent, somebody gave me a golden buzzer, I could be here. So we could put the names of everybody who's appeared this week on a, on a vote and we'll see who they want for Sunday. That I'm sounds definitely fair. not coming back on Sunday. That then. sounds fair. Now, Kevin, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's the first of four broadcasts that we'll be doing tonight. We've got a special guest who's coming along for his debut uh, for the match day as well. We'll be half an hour before kick-off. And uh, we've given our predicted lineups, no leaks in the camp. Remember that advert where somebody called the plumber because there was a leak and there was a guy dressed as a leak? Um, <laughs> aye. It was only a matter of time before that happens on Axon as well. I came dressed in a, in a leak. So aye, I know. Aye, aye. Because we were there. getting accused of that. We um, missed a track there, Paul. Absolutely right. So thanks everybody for getting involved on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe on YouTube. You can come back for round two between Kevin and I uh, half an hour before kick-off and all that's left for me to say is Kevin Graham once again. Thanks for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind, sir. Thanks very much, everybody. <laughs> 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.